is healing in the Word of God. There is life in this Word and there is power in this Word. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Basically, he says, the Word of God has salvation, which includes healing, enwrapped in it. So as the Word goes forth today, I believe that God is sending His Word into your heart. And it's going to begin to work a health and healing and a cure in your life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you this morning that your word is alive. We thank you that it is filled with power. We pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. Give us insight. Change us as we behold you in the word of God today. Strengthen, I pray, every person this Christmas season with mighty power by your Holy Spirit. May every one of us, out of the rich treasury of your glory, be filled with the richest measure of your divine presence. Lord, many people at this time are looking for Christmas presence in the natural. We invite Christ, the Anointed One, and his glorious presence into this place today. We celebrate the anointed one and his anointing this morning. We thank you that burden removing and yoke destroying power moves freely in us and among us today. And we give you glory for it in Jesus name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Seven hundred years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Christ. In Luke chapter 1 and in verse 26, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, when you get an angelic visitation, it's awesome. But when you get Gabriel, it's a really good day. (laughs) Nazareth, as it is seen and known today, is much larger of a town, made up of about 30% Muslim, 60% Muslim, 30% Jewish, and about 10% Christians. In that day, Nazareth was a town of about 50 to 300 people. It was a rural town. The kind of town that you might want to pass through and not be from. You know that kind of town. Driving down I-5 to Southern California, you need to get fueled up, get yourself a little in and out burger. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) And you stop to fuel up physically and you've stopped to fuel your car up and when you leave you say thank God I'm not from here I'm just passing through here (laughs) 
In those days, they heated their homes with wood. The the homes were only about 500 to 600 square feet. There was no indoor plumbing. There was no electricity. And sometimes livestock even lived within that particular home. It was a town where most of the people were illiterate, not only the women, but also the men. And in verse 27, it says that Gabriel brought a word to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. He was of the lineage of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Let's take a look at Joseph, first of all. Joseph would have been about 12 to 16 years old. He was a poor carpenter. He uh, was so young that he probably didn't even have a beard yet. And he's the guy who's going to marry Mary. And he's going to raise Jesus. And he doesn't even have his license yet. He's that guy. And he was betrothed to Mary. Now, the Jewish ceremony had three segments in those days. Number one, there was the formal engagement. It was an agreement by the fathers. Aren't you young ladies glad that it's not that way today? There was the betrothal, which was a ceremony where mutual promises were made. And then thirdly, there was the marriage, and this was approximately one year later when the bridegroom would come at an unexpected time for his bride. Sounds familiar to me. Jesus is our heavenly groom. We are the bride of Christ. He's coming soon. We don't know when, but he's going to catch his bride away. So then, that's Joseph. Now here's, here's Mary. Let me tell you a little bit about Mary. You know, I was, I grew up in a Catholic home and went to Catholic schools through high school. And the Catholics, you know, they corner the market on Mary. And of course, the, the pictures I saw of Mary in catechism and at church, Mary was about 30 years old and she was wearing a crown of gold with beautifully embroidered clothing, sitting on a gold throne, holding a baby with perfect hair, wearing a pure white gown, glorious crown on her head and circled by a halo. But you know what? It wasn't anything like that. When you think of Mary, think 12 to 16 years old. Think peasant girl, peasant dress, pulling water from a well to, to, to go to her parents' home. And yet God comes to this 12 to 16-year-old girl. The angel, Gabriel, is sent to her. And here she is now. She's planning a wedding. And listen to what Gabriel says to her in verse 28. And the angel came unto her, came in unto her and said, "Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women." Let's keep that up there right now. There are three things that he said. Number 1, you got great favor. Number 2, the Lord's with you. But number three, you're blessed. I've heard that before in the word concerning you and concerning me. Just as she was highly favored, you and I are highly favored of God. The Bible says that he encompasses us as with a shield with his favor. And friends, when the favor of God comes into your life, it brings you a grace, a preferred treatment, an enablement, To get you to the places that God wants to get you to. That you could nowhere get on your own. 
You see, when you have God's favor on your life, you have an advantage for success. Favor means to support, to to assist, to make something easier, to provide you with advantages and with special privileges. Listen to this statement. The favor of God opens doors, creates opportunities, turns adversaries into allies, accelerates progress, brings great blessings. Favor is the birthright of every believer. Now believe that and confess that. I have favor. Say it. With God and with man. The favor of God goes before me and opens doors that no man can shut. Glory to God. See, when the favor of God's on you, it is noticeable. Expect his favor to show up in everything you do in his name for the glory of God. The angel said, not only are you highly favored, but he said, the Lord is with you. I found a verse of scripture. The Bible says that, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, it's great to have the Lord with you, but he's also for us. If God be for us, what difference does it make who be against us? But we also have the benefit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we are favorites of the King of Kings. We have him with us, in us, and for us. And of all people in the earth, you are the most blessed. And you know something? You cannot curse whom God has blessed. You cannot bring down a man or a woman who's on God's side and who God is on their side. You're blessed. You might as well just admit it. You are blessed. I don't feel blessed. I don't look blessed. Yeah, I know it, but you're still blessed. I've been acting blessed. Yes, I know that too, but you're still blessed. Matter of fact, you're blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the field. I mean, of all the blessed, we're the most blessed. See, we have been redeemed from the curse. I hear Ephesians 1, 3 ringing in my spirit. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us and with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, when you believe you're blessed and you start talking about how blessed you are and that you're not under the curse, the blessing of the Lord will come upon you and overtake you. You think God has done great things in your life up to this point? Hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Well, pastor, why isn't the blessing operating in my life? It could be that you've heard some things that you haven't done. That you've been given some things to do and you haven't obeyed. You see, 
Not doing what you know to do and not obeying what you've heard to do opens the door for the curse. But as easily as that door is open, you can slam it shut in the devil's face. By saying, Lord, I'm going to do your will. Say this real strong with me. Not my will, but your will be done. I might just get a little testy with you this morning. I think the reason why a lot of Christians haven't seen the devil flee from them is because instead of resisting him, they've been assisting him. If you want the enemy to flee from you and the curse to be placed under your feet, you've got to resist him and not assist him. Okay, pastor, I'm going to go out and fight the devil. Stop trying to fight an enemy that's already been defeated. He's already under your feet. And think about it. He must be pretty small to fit under your feet. See, a lot of Christians got a great big devil and a little bitty God. Reverse that. He's a great big God and he's a little bitty devil. Oh, but you don't know what the devil's done. You don't know what he's doing. Stop all that mess. Look unto God and talk about what he's done and what he's doing in your life. And you will turn the tables on him. Now that little five minutes right there was worth your drive today. Stop assisting him and start resisting him. Say it with me. I'm highly favored. The Lord lives in me. And I am blessed. Not cursed. Blessed. And blessed then to be a blessing. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 1 verses 29 through 33. I want us to read that together. Luke the first chapter verse 29 through 33. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and read them. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying... And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. A couple of things I want you to see in these verses of Scripture. When she heard that she was going to deliver the Son of God, the Bible says she cast in her mind. Perhaps she started reasoning like you and I reason sometimes. She was wondering, what kind of salutation is this? And then the angel comes right along and says, hey, don't be afraid. In other words, keep the door shut on fear because the thing that's about to happen to you is a God thing. It's not a man thing and I need your cooperation. You see, there are things that God has spoken to us that sometimes we reason about. Fear comes to try to stop the process. But God says, close the door on fear, open your heart to me and let me be God in this situation and you shall surely see the manifestation of my goodness show up in your life. And then he says, look, this is going to be awesome. 
Because you're about to give birth to the king of kings and of his kingdom, there'll be no end. Now, we understand that there's been a lot of kingdoms that have ended, have there not? How many can think of a couple of them? I mean, the kingdom of communism in Russia ended, did it not? Uh, The kingdom of Nazism ended. Okay? The kingdom of Mussolini ended. There's all sorts of... the, the, The Roman Empire. That kingdom ended. It's over with. But he says, now look, this kingdom that you're a part of has no end. It's eternal. Now, you and I understand that we've been delivered from darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now, the kingdoms of this earth are going to be the kingdom of our God. Are you listening to me? Now, we see a lot of things going on in the earth today that are very shakable. The kingdom of economy is very shakable. They're talking about a financial cliff. Listen. If this country goes into a recession, I've determined in my heart that I'm going into a progression. Just like we didn't participate in 2008, we're not going to participate if and when another one shows up. But my point is, there's a lot of things around us that are shakeable, they're changeable. But we have been given a kingdom with a king that cannot be shaken. That's dancing ground right there. Glory to God. I said that's dancing ground. It's kind of like the wise men, you know, and the shepherds. When the wise men saw the star, the Bible says they were exceedingly joyful. I mean, listen, it's great to have joy, right? It's also great to have great joy. But exceeding, that's danced the soles of your shoes off joy. That's your hairpins flying all over the church, Joy. (laughs) Say it with me, Jesus Christ. Christ. He is is the joy bringer. bringer. Now notice verse 34. Mary asks a perfectly legitimate question, a very fair question. She says, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? In other words, I believe this can happen, but how is this going to work? Okay, verse 35, read it with me. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So Gabriel's saying it's not by might nor by power, but it is by the Spirit of the living God. And the word overshadow there simply means to cover with a cloud, What Gabriel is referring to is the Shekinah glory of God is going to come upon you. The same glory that Jesus was transfigured in. The same glory that Moses was caught up in for 40 days and 40 nights. The same glory that filled the temple so that the ministers could not stand to minister. He says, this is not going to be the work of man. This is going to be a work of the glory of God. You know, I almost preached a message called Christmas glory, but I'll refer to it today. Jesus was born in the glory of God. The glory of God shone round about. The presence of God was there. When he walked this earth, he lived a sinless, spotless life. And he manifested his glory throughout the whole earth. When he raised the dead, it was the glory of God raising Lazarus from the dead. When he fed the multitudes, it was a demonstration of the glory of God. 
when the lepers were healed, when the blind were healed, when the woman of Nain's son was raised from the dead, it was the glory of God. And then he hung on that cross and he gave his life as a ransom for all, for you and for me. And he went into the bowels of the earth for three days and three nights. And the God of glory said, that's it, that's enough. And the Spirit of God went into the bowels of the earth and raised up Jesus from the dead. The Bible says he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Think about that. And then you and I, when we come to him, the scripture says that the captain of our salvation is now bringing many sons unto glory. Think about it. That same glory, that same Shekinah, he's bringing you and I into. When you received him as your Lord and Savior, just like he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, the presence of God went into the depths of your sin-filled life and pulled you out of that darkness and brought you to the glory of the Father. Now, I believe with all my heart this is what's going to happen. I believe that as the sons and daughters of glory find out more about who they are in him and step up and start manifesting his glory in the earth, the best shall still be seen in the land today. He saves the best for the last. And I believe it. I believe the greatest awakening, the greatest revival is yet to come to planet earth today. But I believe that you and I are a part of that. That we're going to manifest his glory and then one day the king of glory... (laughs) It's going to come in clouds of glory. The trumpet's going to sound and the glory of God's going to lift us right out of here. Anyway, that's another message. Everyone say Christmas glory. Hallelujah. Look verse 37. For with God, nothing, nothing shall be impossible. You make sure you're with God. He's already with you, but you make sure you're with him. And when you're with him and he's with you, there ain't no impossibilities. All things are possible to him that believeth. Now notice Mary's response. Mary is not the dispenser of grace. Mary is an example of grace. Mary is not the object of our faith, but Mary is an example of our faith. We honor Mary, the mother of God, but we don't pray to her. Right? You know, I remember going into confessional when I was a kid. Man, my sins were so long, I couldn't hardly remember all of them. I can remember the confessional shaking. They didn't have earthquakes in Minneapolis, but when I went into the confessional, there was earthquakes. And I'm not putting down Catholics. Thank God for Catholics. You know what I learned from being a Catholic? I learned reverence for Him. And thank God for born-again Catholic people. Amen? Yeah, but they've had a lot of faults. Some priests did this and some priests did that. For every priest that did this or that, there's thousands of them that didn't. And so you don't want to be putting people down. You want to be lifting them up and holding them up before the throne of grace. Are you here in this house today? Thank God for born-again Catholics. Matter of fact, I believe God's working on something. One of my friends, you know, just did an internet search for, for Mark Thomas. Found out that this heathen they grew up with is now a preacher in California. I've been getting emails from him. Been watching your videos. 
been listening to what you had to say. Your wife is especially good and interesting, they say. You never know when your light's going to be called on. You never know when your salt is going to be there to preserve. And so I'm believing every one of them be born again for the glory of God. But I go in there, man, and I'm with fear and trembling, and I have to say about 25 Our Fathers and three rosaries and a thousand Hail Marys, you know. And of course, you know, uh, the Catholics have the corner, they have the market on Mary, but they get it wrong. She doesn't dispense grace. She's just an example of grace. She doesn't, she's not the object of our faith, but she's a good example of it. And I want to show you what this example was for you and I that we can follow right here in 2012. Verse 38, And Mary said unto the angel, Here I am, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Here's a simple woman with a simple faith and with a sincere heart. Mary says, Be it unto me. Listen, this is a huge deal. Mary leaves her comfort zone. She leaves her security zone. And she agrees to becoming pregnant, which by any measure in that day, you could have been ridiculed and mocked. You could have been stoned to death. But she let go of her comfort zone. And she said, let it be unto me according to the word of God. Now listen carefully. Jesus is the Word made flesh. The Word of God is the seed. It is incorruptible, incapable of being destroyed. When she said, be it unto me according to your Word, she opened up the womb of her heart and she said, let this Word come into my life and let the glory overshadow me and I will be that person that you can entrust with the King in my life. You see... Jesus was conceived. It was, we could say it this way, the miraculous conception through faith. You know, a lot of people today, theologians even, they deny the virgin birth. You be very leery and very careful about following someone that says the ages of miracles is done away with. You be very leery and very careful listening to some of the philosophers of this age and some of the people of this age that deny the virgin birth. The virgin birth is one of the cornerstones of our faith. If Jesus was not born supernaturally of a virgin, he would not have been able to give his life supernaturally as our king. The interesting, awesome thing about Jesus leaving his home in heaven and becoming flesh and dwelling among us was this. He was not only the son of man with an emphasis on his humanity, but he was also the son of God with an emphasis on his deity. He was not only Christ Jesus with an emphasis on his deity. He was also Jesus Christ with an emphasis on his humanity. He was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. Glory to God. He was the God-man. He was the man of God. And he went about doing, I'm ready to preach. He went about doing good and healing all that will oppress to the devil. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in Him. 
was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus was conceived inside of Mary the moment she spoke these words, be it unto me. And listen, I said she's not the object, but she's the example. You and I receive salvation the same way. You see, the sower sows the word. Creflo Dollar says we've got 66 books of of bags of seed. And the sowers sow in the word. The promises of God are exceedingly great and precious. For every need that you have in your life, God promises you the answer. There's a promise for every situation you face. Now listen. When we mix faith with the promise of God's word, then that word becomes seed in our spiritual womb. And then we conceive our answer. Even though you cannot see it yet in the physical realm, it is yours in the spirit realm. And just as Mary was pregnant with a promise, when you open the womb of your heart and receive the word of God into your heart and believe it and speak it and say, let it be unto me according to the word of God, you also become pregnant with promise. Pregnant with promise. You're looking at a pregnant pastor today. So he says, Pastor, I can see you put a few pounds on, but... No way, you're not pregnant. I'm not talking about naturally. I'm pregnant with the promises of God. I'm pregnant with divine healing in my spirit. I'm pregnant with debt freedom in my spirit. I'm pregnant with all of my children's children being saved and baptized with the Holy Ghost and serving God. I am pregnant with revival for the Bay Area and the United States of America. I am pregnant with debt freedom for this building. I'm pregnant for missions. I'm pregnant with going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. And I'm not like an ostrich with my head in the sand. I realize that on the road to Nazareth, just as Joseph and Mary went to be taxed, it was difficult to go up to Bethlehem. From Nazareth to go to Bethlehem, they had to go up. Those were taxing times. I suppose they were like you and I sometimes. They looked at each other and wondered if it was worth it. But you know what? They refused to be discouraged. They refused to give up. And they said, I'm keeping my eye on the promise. I'm carrying the Redeemer in my body. Hallelujah. And the enemy will come to try to get you to cast away your confidence. He'll come with all sorts of circumstances and all sorts of situations. But you know what? You just keep on moving. It might seem like an uphill battle, but you just keep on moving. You keep on moving. You keep on going. Sooner or later, you'll get to Bethlehem. And the promises that God has birthed in your spirit will surely be born into the earth. Amen. So don't you give up. Don't give up on that son or that daughter. Don't you give up on your debt freedom. Don't you ever give up on your divine health. Don't back down. Don't back up. Just because the enemy is trying to tax you. 
You see, the Bible says that in the last of the last days, that the saints of the Most High God will be wearied out. They'll be fatigued because they look at the wrong thing. They look at the things that are coming upon the earth. I submit to you... Stop fixating on the problem and start fixating on the answer. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He'll take you all the way down the right path and you'll end up going somewhere when you get there. Amen. Pregnant. Say it with me, Pastor. I'm pregnant with the promises of God. I don't want to be an ordinary Joe. I surely don't want to be a slick willy. I don't want to be some sort of a spiritual con. I don't want to be an ordinary Joe. That just kind of goes through life nine to five. Like that old movie, Joe versus the volcano. Going to work and just coming home, eating dinner, falling asleep in front of the television. I want to make my mark on this earth. You should want to make your mark on this earth. You don't have to do something that is narcissistic and all about you and so big and so, you know, manic that, you know, nobody can understand it. But you can be a good father. You can be a good mother. You can impact your community. You can be light at the grocery store. You can be a blessing in the school. You can get on your knees and pray for God's mercy for this United States of America. You see, you can become a part of the answer instead of the problem. Get pregnant with something. Have a vision. Have a goal. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. There's too many visionless Christians. There's too many Christians just going about life without a goal, without an aim. How are you going to press toward the mark for the high prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus when you don't have a goal, you don't have a vision? This is good preaching. My prayer for you this Christmas holiday is get pregnant. Verse 39. Now notice after this all happened, this all took place. The Bible says that Mary arose in those days. She did not sit in the house. She arose and went into the country with haste into a city of Judah or into a city of praise. She immediately went into praise. Praise God along the way of life in bringing forth the promise of God. And she entered into the house, verse 40, of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now, remember Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, right? Okay. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe got the joy of the Lord in him. John the Baptist leaped. In other words, he was filled with joy. But not only was he filled with joy, he got full of the Holy Ghost in Elizabeth's womb. Listen, friend. When you carry the promises of God in you, it will impact your relatives. It will impact the people around you. Verse 42. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, 
And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? Verse 44. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe looped, leaped in my womb for joy. Read verse 45 with me. And blessed is she that believe, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Woo, glory! In other words, there's going to be a performance. It's going to happen. She's encouraging Mary. And she said, you know what? It's going to happen. And it did happen. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin. Our Father performed His promise. And it's no difference with you. It's no different with you. The promises are great. He is the great promise keeper. And the Bible says that He will watch over His Word to perform it on your behalf. Let there be a performance of His promises in your life this year and next year. May the goodness of God manifest everywhere you go. May His glory show up on the scene for you. He watches over His Word to perform it on your behalf. Well, did you get anything out of that today? Let's all stand to our feet. Oh, hallelujah. Now lift up both of your hands with me. I'm going to lead you in some declarations and some affirmations of faith. Are you ready? Say it with me, Heavenly Father. I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He gave His life for me. And so I open up my heart and I declare today that Jesus Christ, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I furthermore believe that Jesus Christ is my healer. I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth that Himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. I declare that by His stripes I am healed. I believe in my heart. I say with my mouth that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I shall not want for money for He is faithful to supply all of my need. According to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, I believe and say, You are my light. You are my strength. You are my salvation. You are my joy. I declare that You are my wisdom. You are my sanctification. You separate me. From things of this world, through the Word of God, you are my deliverer. I declare strongly this day, I have favor with God and with man. The fog shows up everywhere I go. The favor of God goes before me. I declare this day, That the Lord is with me. The Lord is for me. 
and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And finally, I declare boldly that I have been blessed. I am blessed. I am not under the curse. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed. Woo! Let's give him praise. Glory to God. Blessed. 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 And the blessing of the Lord, it heals your body. And the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. And the blessing of the Lord lifts you out of depression and is the glory and the lifter up of your head. This blessing is yours today. Believe it, receive it, walk in it, and his joy shall be seen everywhere, everywhere in your life. I'm blessed to know I'm not going to hell. I ain't going to hell. Not only am I not going to hell, but I'm not going to have hell on earth. No more sad days. No more down days. No more broke days. No more sick days. Come on, somebody. Just take me on a little bit. You don't have to live under the curse. You're redeemed from the curse of the law. 